Love it when uh, prayer is the high point of a service. <laughs> uh, you've been sitting for a bit, so I'm going to get you to stand up. And I just want to show you some pictures that uh, I want to thank you for your prayers and I want to let you know what's going on. So uh, if I could, Kevin, have those pictures uh, who, uh, that I gave you. So uh, we sang that song, I want to speak the name of Jesus. And then it says, on the mountains and in the streets. Well, this is a group of people that are going into the streets. And so uh, with Byron and I, uh, we've, st we've begun a door-to-door -door ministry here and we have people that come out every second Saturday in the morning, plus Byron and I go out pretty well every week, and we just go to doors to find people God is working in and share the gospel with them. Well then a, a pastor friend of mine said, could you come and do that at our church? So last Saturday, Byron and I spent the day down there teaching them to uh, do the same thing. Just go out uh, onto the streets, uh, knock on somebody's door and ask them some simple questions and see if they're interested in talking about spiritual things, how God draws near to them. The very first door, so we teach them, then we take them out. The very first door, it was fabulous. I met a Filipino couple that had just moved, kind of moved to Canada and, and were in Kingston, weren't connected at all. But we're not followers of Jesus, and we just got to share the gospel. The, the new person I had with me was like, like didn't think people would be this open, and, and then shared with them. And I had to say, see, we were in Kingston, and, and when we were there, uh, I said, he said, well, what church are you from? And I, I drew a blank, because I couldn't say Springville in Stouffville, because he was living in, and I forgot the name of the church that we were at. So, so the guy finally spoke up beside me, uh, you know, we're Bay Park, and it, it was like 300 feet from his door. And, and so uh, there's different ways we share the faith, and, and this is one of them that God's working on. If you feel that this is a challenge to your spirit, just come and see me. We would love you to be part of getting the gospel to people. I mean, Ashley talked about us praying for and sharing the gospel with our friends and family. We're all responsible to do that. But some of you, this is a challenge for you, and you go, I, I think I might like to do this. And you don't have to be like me to do this, because we have a variety of different personalities that that go out and, and just start conversations with people. And yes, it's challenging, but it's amazing when you get to talk to people about their faith. And I just want to talk to you for a second, that while we are all here worshiping, whether online or in person, every one of us has to decide if we're going to become a follower of Jesus. So Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins and then offers to us the forgiveness of sins if we would put our faith in him, meaning that I admit that I'm a sinner before God, that I believe that the death and resurrection of Jesus is what uh, pays for my sin, and then I choose to surrender my life to Jesus. And uh, as uh, we listen today, let that question be on your heart. Yeah, have I made that decision? You go ahead and be seated. I think you've been standing up long enough. Uh, have I made that decision? Now, uh, rough transition. Hi, sweetie. <laughs> Rough transmission, um, um, I want to go to uh, uh, the Ten Commandments. Now, the next command that we're going to look at, I would say if there's any command people go, I don't understand why that was in the top ten. I mean, you know, God can make up ten, uh, and, 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 you know, and, and I, I, I'm not quite sure why this one made the top ten. So Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother, 
so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. Honor your father and your mother, which means to respect them and basically to obey them. So why did this one get in the top 10? Well, if you think about it, and you think about where it's placed, you'll begin to see some of the importance of this command. It's number five. Yeah, it's number five. Uh-huh. It's number five. Okay. Well, the first four commands are vertical. How I, as a follower of Christ, remember these commands are not how you earn your way to salvation. These commands are how you live once you have put your faith in Jesus Christ. This is how you honor God through obedience to these values lived out in our lives. The first four had to do with how I treat God. The next six will be about how I treat other people. This one being the very first one of those six and this is the foundational command which all the others are built upon into our lives. Not theologically built upon, but personally, relationally built upon. What we learn in this command enables us to repeat in our treatment of others. In other words, as I learn to honor my father and my mother as I learn to honor the authority that God has put over me in my home. Well, then when I grow up and I go out, I learn how to honor and respect other people. There is a direct correlation between a healthy home that treats its children and teaches them to honor their father and mother and people who are good citizens who have learned to value and respect other people even if they don't like them. The children who learn to honor and respect their parents intuitively understand how to honor and respect the people they live around. And that's why this has made the top 10. Now, there's a number of different studies that have been done about the value and what happens in a home and the development of children. I, I think this, this goes beyond uh, just children, though. But um, the value of teaching children. I, I came across one, David Couplian, uh, I think is his name, and he wrote a book now, this is a mouthful for a book. <laughs> the Marketing of Evil. The Marketing of Evil, semicolon. How radicals, elitists, and pseudo-experts sell us corruption designed as freedom. Well, that's a mouthful for a book, isn't it? <laughs> but think about it. How the marketing of evil, putting evil out there as if it is good, and his... His subtitle is How Radicals, those on the edges who are really zealots for whatever cause they're at, elitists, those who believe they're the ones to teach us our values and what is truth and what isn't truth or if there's truth, 
and pseudo-experts, people who claim to be experts, but really aren't, I don't know where you would find people like that. Maybe the internet? Yeah. <laughs> they sell us corruption designed as freedom. Hmm. Now let me, that's just the name of the book. Now let me give you the quote. <laughs> Family disintegration has been a long-time aim of atheistic ideologies based on Marxism. So Marxism flourished in the, uh, well, came to be, I think, in the late 1700s, 1800s in its thinking, but then began to be embedded in the uh, political nations uh, all over the world now, any communist nation, highly socialistic nations, carry Marxism ideas. And in order for, what this, what this writer is saying is all those political uh, groups that took over countries, uh, they, they concluded that in order to maintain the control of people, so to control people, it would be necessary to destroy the family and restructure. So if you want to control people, you destroy the family and then change it into something different from what God created it to be. Soviet expert Mikhail Heller explained that in there, the communist, by there he means in the communists' attack against the Russian family, Communists encouraged this. They encouraged sexual immorality during marriage. They forced women out of the home and into the workplace. They provided easy access to abortion and to divorce so that they could destroy the family unit. And that would lead to the destruction of society that they could then remake into a new image. The destruction of society, by the way, is what we are currently facing with the liberal movements of here in Canada and in the West, that the promise freedom, they promise freedom, but they do so by destroying the family structures. And in my opinion, personally, this is where Satan is doing his deepest work in the Western world destroy the family, then restructure the world, the life, society, in a new way that will then promote the values that these elitists, pseudo-experts, and uh, radicals are trying to impose upon Canadian society. So, <laughs> if that is what's happening in our culture, and I believe it is, then this command stands as a light against the darkness, as hope against the corruption, as wisdom against foolishness. This becomes a command worth holding on to and vitally important if you care about the well-being of your children, your family, your church, your society. 
if God is right, and heaven help us if he's wrong, if God is right, if you believe that God rules this universe and is bringing it to an end, and by the way, thank you for praying, Sonali, that that prayer that brought peace to my soul, that God is fully in charge of what's happening all over the world, including Israel and Palestine. And by the way, in Israel, Palestine, right now, this lived out would change that conflict. Okay. So, how do we understand this? Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. Now, I don't know if you realize this, but this command is directly repeated in Ephesians chapter 6. Paul, the Apostle Paul, repeats almost verbally, uh, word for word, this command. But he adds something to it. And see if you can pick it up here. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on the earth. And then adds, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training instruction of the Lord. So he pulls back from the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, this command because he's trying to help the Ephesians understand how do you live out your faith and how do you help your family? And now he's becoming very practical. And he pulls out command number five and he says, you need to, children, you need to honor and obey your parents. Now he's not just, just like Moses wasn't just writing to kids. He was writing really to the, the, the people, the leaders of the home. This is what you're supposed to be doing so that your children become God-honoring, God-fearing people. This gives them the greatest chance of being good citizens but also followers, is providing a home where they're taught to honor and obey their parents. But he adds, verse 4, don't exasperate your children. Don't provoke them to anger. And I thought, well, why? How does that fit with children honoring and obeying the Lord. And I got thinking about that, and I think when you, you exasperate somebody, you push them to anger, when, when, you expect of them something you're not doing yourself. You expect of them something you're not doing yourself. When I demand of my children that they act in a way that I don't act, or they do things that I don't do, then I exasperate and frustrate them. Because you're asking me to do something you won't do or don't do. You don't live it out, so why make me live it out? Now, as a parent, I ran into this a few times in uh, my parenting. And I, I don't know why I remember this one time, but uh, one of my sons, eight to 12, I think, uh, he was probably, 11 or 12, I'm gonna guess. And, uh, but I clearly remember the moment I was trying to teach him how to solve problems. Instead of, Dad, what should I do here? Dad, what should I do there? Dad, what should I do here? He had a problem, he wanted to solve it. I was trying to teach him, him to think about it and how to solve it rather than me solving all his problems because I'm not gonna be here forever. And by the way, I don't always have the right answer. And by the way, I don't wanna have to solve all your problems. You need to learn how to solve some of your problems. And it was an appropriate problem he could solve. So I would ask him a question, and you know, I don't know. 
And then I'd ask him another question, I don't know. And I'd ask him to explain a little bit more and he'd just give me the bare facts and then what are you gonna think about that? What are you gonna do? I don't know. I think 10,000 times I ask him these questions. And then finally, on 10,001, I kind of I snapped. And I said some things to him that hurt. I treated him with disrespect. Then I felt bad. And so then I told him, okay, well, here's how you solve the problem. And I gave him the answer. But that's not what he was looking for. Well, he was, but that wasn't the issue between the two of us at the moment. And I noticed he didn't do what I told him to do. Because I had treated him with disrespect, he was not going to treat me with disrespect. Because I didn't do what I told him he should be doing, he wasn't going to do what I told him to do. I don't think I can say that again. I don't know how I put those words together, but I did, and I hope you got them, because I don't think I can bring it out again. So I stopped, and uh, I realized I was wrong. And so I had to admit to him that I was wrong, I apologized, I asked him to forgive me. Uh, he did, gave him a hug, and then we went back at the problem, and all of a sudden he was open to do what he needed to do. And that's what Paul is saying to us in the leadership. It's true in the leadership of our home that when we exasperate our children, when we ask them to do things that they, we won't do, or we act, this is true in, as a boss, this is true uh, in any place in a program you run. When you're asking people to do what you won't do, then they are frustrated and exasperated because your example and your words don't match up. And so that's what I think Paul is trying to teach us, is as you take on responsibility of a family, then you need to live it out first and then expect your children to follow you and treat you with honor and respect. Now, um, I, 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 as I was thinking this through, I thought, well, what, what, I had four ideas. I don't know that they're inspired. I, well, they're not inspired. They're just four ideas that seem to me good truth when it comes to dealing with our children, be they two, 12, or 32, or 42, right? They just change a little bit in the context. So the first thing is, I just kind of explained, live and talk in such a way that demands honor. You will receive honor from your children if you act in a way that requires honor. That makes sense. I don't think we're anybody surprised at that. So when you don't act with honor, then admit it and apologize and move on. Uh, especially discipline our children when they treat us with dishonor. Now, uh, the, the emphasis here is uh, really with younger children, like when they're still in the home. But if you've got children outside the home and they treat you with disrespect or defiance or dishonesty, then you need to not allow that to continue because that's not a good thing in their life. But as a parent with children in your home, uh, I would strongly recommend you figure out how you're going to discipline your children, especially on these three things. A lot of the other stuff that goes on in your house can be handled by discussion stuff, but you don't let disrespect and you don't let dishonor and, dis and lying, go deceit, go by without any sort of response. They will undermine your family, they will undermine their character. And so you need to say, yeah, I'm, I'm drawing the line on these ones. 
I think we need to encourage and praise our children. How much do we praise our children for doing what's right? It's so easy to point out what they're doing wrong, but how, much, how many times do we say, hey, you did really well. Thank you for respecting me there. Thank you for honoring me there. Thank you for the way you handled that, the attitude that you had. I, I, just, I could do that far more. I think for most of us as parents, we could. And then fourth, I say, we admit and apologize when we blow it. I think that's really important because you are going to blow it. You do blow it as a person. You do blow it. And, and to admit it and to apologize is the first step for reconciliation, especially with your children. Because then when they see your heart, you gain their respect, and then they go back to honoring you. If they see that you're not willing to apologize, it drives them underground and it creates a bitterness in their heart. So uh, I want to, before I finish here, I just want to touch on this so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. What did he mean by that? So if, if and Paul said it too, that you'll experience a long life. So does it mean if I honor my father and mother, I'm going to live till I'm 100? No, thank you, yeah. It's not that you live to, a, the point of a long life in, in this time when Moses wrote, I love having a theologian right here, <laughs> uh, is that, that long life was not as common then as it is today. People died much earlier. Uh, the mortality rate was much uh, sooner, because lower as far as age goes, because people died as a result of plagues and diseases and injuries because the medical help wasn't available. And, and people just, you couldn't deal with all the stuff that was coming at you, so people died earlier. So the idea of a long life was clearly that you were enjoying the favor of God. And so the favor, that's what I believe Moses is talking about here. Yes, it involves longer life, and God somehow embeds that promise into this, but it's more than that. It's that God honors and favors you. When you honor and respect your parents, God will honor and favor you. So, let me close just with a couple thoughts. I'd say children, so there's, some, there's a number of you that are here or listening online that are still in your home. And, and, and it changes, we get it. We ch it changes from when a child is two till they're, tw you know, 18. But the principle doesn't. And so that if you're in your parents' home, you still need to honor and respect them. I know they're going to be wrong sometimes. I know they're going to be harsh sometimes. But focus on your heart, not their behavior. You learn to honor and respect. You're going to have bosses that are wrong, and you're going to have to honor and respect them. You're going to have police that have the radar guns that aren't working, that said you were doing 130, and you're like, there is no way. You're still going to have to honor and respect them. You're going to have teachers. You're going to have people in your life you need to honor and respect. They will not be perfect. And you will just struggle within if you focus on them. First, focus on your own heart. Yes, it may be difficult what you have to face, but that's where you get help. And because we're in this world that we're in, I need to say, I am not saying by this, nor is this command saying that if you are undergoing abuse or you're undergoing 
physical uh, harm, that you're supposed to just suck it up and submit to it. The scripture, that is not what this is talking about. That is an outlier, and there's a way to handle that. And that is to find somebody you trust and tell them what's happening so you can get help. But for the most part, God is saying, learn if you are under the authority of your parents, learn how to honor and respect them, especially when you disagree with them. Now that doesn't mean, I'm gonna talk about something in a second. And so I wanna, uh, I wanna uh, go to a second thing, and that is, learn, uh, as a parent, be careful of the two ditches that you can fall into. You can become so authoritarian, so uh, ramped up, so intractable that your kid isn't allowed to say or do anything without you responding in a harsh way. Or you can be in the other ditch, which is you are so neglectful and choose to be so soft and unresponsive that your kid, doesn't matter what they do, there's no response. And somewhere in the middle is where you need to land. And so, um, <laughs> again, my boys were between eight and 12. And uh, I, I think I read uh, some book on child rearing or something like that. And uh, somewhere I got this principle, and this, I was reading or listening to some guy who said he, he had kids, and, and he, he, he defaulted to no uh, too quickly, all the time. Dad, can we do, no. Can we do this, no. Can I go to my friends, no. Can I have a puppy? Well, that'd be a big no. And, uh, you know, can I stay up late and watch the game? No, 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 no. And, and he, he just kept overuse of no. And so he had figured, he, was, he figured out that what he needed to do is find a way to uh, a deal with this. And he did, he found this way called make an appeal. And so he t said to the kids, look, I say no too quickly, too much. It's because I'm tired. I don't want you to ask stuff and it means more work for me or hassle. And I just, for the, out of just sheer tiredness or busyness, I just go no, because I don't want to add anything onto my plate. I don't really think about it. And that was me, just saying no all the time. So I took his suggestion and told my boys. And here was the suggestion. I said, guys, I say no too quickly. I get it. So you can appeal any decision I make. And by, when you appeal, you have to do it. You can't whine. If you whine, it's off the table. Now, you guys I know don't have kids that whine, but you know, you can get kids out there that do whine. And, and so I said, that takes it right off the table. And if you keep up, I'm just gonna send you to a room because I'm tired, I don't wanna have to deal with that, okay? So uh, they were like, okay. Like, I know they weren't gonna still whine. And then, and then I said to them, you can say, Dad, we wanna appeal your decision and you have to give me at least one reason why you think I should change my mind. And then after, I will promise I will think about it. And then when I give you the answer, that's the answer. The whining has to go or this isn't gonna work. Okay. So I don't think we finished eating supper. <laughs> And, uh, Dad, can we stay up late for the game tonight? No. I appeal! <laughs> so I kind of said, oh, what am I getting myself into? And, uh, you know, it's the playoffs. Uh, the Leafs could possibly win. I had kids that cheered for the Leafs. They could possibly win tonight. Uh, and I, I want to be up to see this historic event. <laughs> And I, I wanted to say no because I wanted to spare them from the pain that they were going to go through. 
And, uh, but I, I, I thought about it and I said, well, first of all, I just said I would listen, so I gotta say yes to this one. And so I went, yeah, okay. And, and I began, that began to happen as a, for a period of time in our house. They just appealed to everything I said. And I'm surprised looking back how often I said yes. I would change my mind because I realized I just said it out of, you know, I'm tired, I don't want to have to deal with this, just no. And, and that changed it and how much the whining and complaining began to drop. And that's because instead of just no or well, do what you want, which I don't recommend, it was well, let's talk about this. Let me hear what you have to say and why you want this. And so what it became was I was respecting them. And so they respected me by dropping the whining and the complaining, or at least a good portion of it. It never really always goes away. That's a pipe dream. But it did drop. Because when you treat people with respect, guess what? They treat you with respect. Another thing I want to say is parents, especially if you still have your kids in your home, uh, you are doing one of the most important works. Yeah, we don't say this now. You dads, the greatest responsibility you have are any children God has given to you. And you form and shape in their lives. When you take seriously your I don't need to talk to moms about this. They will take seriously their responsibility. But when you engage, when you take seriously the, to engage in your children's lives and to produce in them uh, behavior that honors you and your spouse and behavior that honors God, that that is the most important role you're going to have here on earth. You'll have other responsibilities, but nothing as eternal as teaching your children to honor you and your spouse, you and their mother, so that they would learn to honor God and others. Now, and moms, which the weight of this often falls on you. I just think some of you are single moms. Honestly, how you carry that weight, I don't know. But I just want you to know that the effort and sacrifice you are giving is incredibly important to the well-being of your children. You, you, are, I, you must be tired. You must be frustrated. It must be hard. But what you are pouring in, you can't pour into anything more important. And, and those of you moms that are staying at home, the, the world may laugh at you, but you are pouring into the life of the most important people that are in your sphere. Don't let the world tell you what you are doing is unimportant. You're just staying at home with kids. There isn't a greater thing to sacrifice your life for. And for you moms who are working, and then the weight of the household falls on you. I, again, I don't know how you do it. But in most homes, the weight of the household falls on the mom. And I just want to encourage you that the tiredness and the frustration and the way that you have to work through so much, you will thank God that you gave it your attention and your all. Because your children are gone, just gone. And you look back and go, boy, 
I wish I'd have done that better. You won't remember the tiredness, the evenings, the running the kids all over, the, the messes you had to clean up, the ways the fights you had with your teenagers. All that stuff kind of fades off. You will just, you will just be focused on their well-being, and you will have hope that you could do the best for them. And you can when you live out this command. It, it will, you're, when your children learn to honor and respect you, they learn to honor and respect God and then have God's favor on them. God walks with them in their life. Could you ask for anything greater? Because if they don't learn to respect you, they won't learn to respect and honor God. So they resist God. And the New Testament tells us God opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble, those who are willing to respect him. And so, uh, moms, dads, you are doing the most important work. I, I, I can't stress it enough how important the work that you're doing. So important that God embedded your responsibility as one of the ten. That's why it's there. Let me pray over you. Father, today uh, you know where each one of us sits with regard to our responsibility of teaching our children how to follow you and respect you, and as children. And some of us are children in our 40s, 50s, and 60s, and we still are responsible to honor and respect our parents. Yes, it's changed, but how we treat our parents is under this command today as much as it was when we were 12. And so I want to pray for those that are laboring now with children in their home, that you would give them a new perspective, a new vision of what you are trying to create through them in their children. And I pray, Father, that your grace would help them to do what you called them to do. In your name I pray.